I'm Jay Edidon. And I'm Miles Stokes. And normally we're the hosts of Jay and Miles Explain the X-Men, a weekly walk and time travel of comics' greatest superhero soap opera. But this week, this is Hawk Talk. Now, Hawk Talk is what we do every fourth week. It is, as you may recall, entirely unedited. Uh, it is also entirely unresearched and unprepared for. And we talk hawks. Yes, or hawk-adjacent topics, which as it turns out includes basically everything in the world. They're all hawks here. They're all Hawks here. They're all Warren Kenneth Worthington the third. So we weren't really sure what to do for this episode, but then Jay, you made a discovery. That's right. This week Hawk This week's Hawk, I can words, I promise. This week's Hawk is nineteen ninety-five film hackers in honor of the fact that it has been one thousand three hundred thirty-seven weeks since its September fifteenth, nineteen ninety-five release. Yes, and uh, I'm not sure if 1337 uh, being pronounced elite and thus being hack speak for, you know, hacking things is, is still pop culture, but in my heart, it always will be. It's, it's pop culture. Whether it's pop culture of the current era is questionable. I mean, at a certain point, does pop culture become unpop culture? I, I, don't, I don't know. Huh. I don't know. I was never pop back in school, so I'm not sure how these things work. Likewise, likewise. Maybe we should we should talk a little bit about what this movie is for folks unfamiliar with it, because Hackers is something of a cult classic. Okay, well, first, I should say, as an information technology professional, that Hackers is the most accurate movie about computers ever made. Every single thing on screen in this movie is exactly how my job works. Well, hackers is why you went into IT, right? Oh, yeah, so I could hack the planet. Yeah. Oh boy, Hackers. So, I, I I don't know about you, I first saw Hackers, like, probably around the time it came out in the mid-90s, so I would have been a teenager, like, a probably not a very old teenager. I think I first saw it in or slightly... Okay. Uh, you know, I feel like knowing me and knowing you, we probably still both had roughly the same reaction, which is, that was fucking awesome. I think my reaction was, was probably tinged much more age and cynicism. Um, and, and, you know, historical context, because by the time I was seeing it, it was very much visible as a product of its time rather than contemporary. I suppose. It is an exceptionally 90s movie. Okay, so if you haven't seen Hackers, like, just pause this and watch Hackers. It's worth your time. But if you're not going to do that, which I realize some people won't, and that's fine, your time is your own, um, Hackers is a movie about some young adults who who hack the planet. They're They're hackers, and there are bad company people that they use hacking to hack against hackers is also aesthetically what optimistic cyberpunk looked like before everything was monochrome oh yeah it's such colorful cyber 90s glory i love it so much and it's also and again this is an aspect of that optimistic cyberpunk aesthetic and general tone it's also very queer and very gender fucky it is, and I tell you, that's something I did not catch at all in the mid-90s, but watching it as a grown-up, especially watching it with you, like, oh god, so much! Oh yeah, 100%. Oh, as well it should be. So, okay, so in Hackers, you know, we basically have these young adults coming together to do this hacking mission. There's um, our main character, uh, Johnny, Johnny Lee Miller, is that the actor's name? Johnny Lee Miller, who these days is best known for playing Sherlock Holmes on Elementary, which he does spectacularly well, by the way. I, I've heard great things, yeah. Um, yeah, it's a terrific show. Yeah, Sherlock, cool. Uh, so he no, was fuck like Sherlock, but Elementary's great. Okay, fair. Um, 
but uh yeah so so in hackers he was like a hacker as a kid and he hacked into i don't know something important and got banned from computers but then the ban was over when he was i guess in his late teens early 20s it's really ambiguous all the actors are way older than the characters they play oh yeah that that actor is not 18 in that movie i mean maybe he is i don't think he is no, um, he is, however, at, at various points wearing wearing a cutoff cropped sweatshirt. I, I love the fashion of hackers so much. I know. Honestly, that's one of my favorite things about reading mid-90s comics, especially like stuff like Gen X, is seeing an admittedly perhaps not fully accurate version, but nonetheless a version of that era's ridiculous, wonderful fashion. It is, again, optimistic, brightly colored, bizarre, eclectic cyberpunk. Oh, yeah. And so, you know, he hooks up with this existing, like, hacking cabal of young people. Um, okay, so I'm trying to remember, uh, you know, obviously the one most people remember is Angelina, Angelina Jolie. Um, she There's plays a- burn. Oh, everyone's got burn. hacker handles. That's that's important. Um, oh, yeah. Johnny Lee Miller is, is zero cool. I don't remember his character's actual name. Didn't he have a different name when he was a kid? He did. I don't oh no, that was he was zero cool when he was a kid, and he was crash override as a, like an oh, eighteen slash thirty year old. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. It became crash override. Yeah. Um. So Angelina Jolie is acid uh, acid burn. Yeah, and then there's these like uh, other kids. There's um Lord Nikon and Serial Killer, and Serial Killer is played by the same guy that played Shaggy and Scooby Doo, and a it's really Matthew sad Lillard. principal. Yeah, in uh, Twin Peaks season three, and um then there's that one kid with the the leopard print outfit whose name I can't remember. What the hell was his name? Joey? I don't remember if he had a hacker name. Maybe he was just Joey. Yeah, I think he was, like, the young one. Uh, and, yeah, it's just fun. Like, they're just hanging out, being friends, going to raves, and hacking things. Yeah, that's and, like, pretty much it. Well, th and they're going to hacker raves, because the absolute center of hacker culture is these two amazing dudes, this this hacker power couple who are definitely a couple, by the way, um, Razor and Blade, um, played respectively by Darren Lee and Peter Kim, who have like this amazing warehouse where they live and where they film their pirate TV show called Hack the Planet. It's so good! I want a Razor and Blade spinoff. Oh my god. Like Razor and Blade so much. All these years later, it's been, um, it's been a couple years since 1995. I do not care. You know, you could probably do a sequel to this pretty easily these days, given, okay, given just, just the whole info set culture that exists now. Pitch me a sequel. I want to hear it. All right. So it's been, how long has it been since 1995? It's been a number <laughs> it's of years. 26 years. And, um, and, and, and Crash Override Dade has, has fallen into cynicism. He has, he has, I'm, this so this is not necessarily like my ideal sequel this is the sequel i think could get made okay he he and kate have long since split um they were you know briefly tumultuously married or something like that but their relationship he's... crashed and burned yes yes it definitely did um he's still very in love with her she appears to have moved on um he is he is oh you know what the thing is basically a hacker's sequel would be sneakers Despite the fact that Sneakers takes place, like, very much in a prior decade and is more about, like, phone freaking and stuff? Yeah, it's the, the general premise, though. You know, oh, you've, okay. you've got the, the former, former, you know, hacker who's, who's gone, who's, 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 who's gone mainstream, gone establishment, who was, was originally the best friend of the main character. 
Ah. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm in favor of this. And you get Dan Aykroyd in there; he'll be in anything. It's great. Right, and you got you got you got Dade, who is has, is this guy who has gone establishment, who's gotten really cynical, but who has to like go back to his hacker roots to stop this major threat to something. Okay, I like this plan. Yes, Hollywood, please. Uh, d- dear Hollywood, I know you collectively are listening to this informal, unedited episode of our already very niche podcast, so please make this movie for us. Razor and Blade have their own satellite. Yeah, okay. Where they live. <laughs> yes, they do. Their excellent gay hacker satellite. Yes, correct. <laughs> okay, right, but hackers. So, I don't know, because I know, like, we have a lot of movies that we have shared over the years, and there are a lot of movies we love, but... What is it about hackers that is is unique? Because I feel like hackers occupies this this special place in both of our hearts. Perhaps yours even more than mine. That nothing else really does or ever will. Yes, it's optimism. It's it's brightness and general sort of. You know, there there aren't a lot of movies that leave you feeling generally more empowered, and hackers in a weird sort of way does. Yeah, like you just want to get into a phone booth and hook up your spray-painted laptop and have the camera spin around you in a circle, and then you give Penn from Penn & Teller a virus with Cookie Monster on his giant movie theater-sized screen. But no, I, I, I get it, though. Like, there is a we-can-take-on-the-establishment-youth-culture-will-be-victorious sort of feel to the whole thing. Oh, yeah, Pendulette is in it. Yeah, Pendulet is, is totally in it. He's like the, the security leader of, of Bad Company, as opposed to the super ultra elite assassin hacker played by was it was it Fisher Stevens? Yeah, it's Fisher Stevens. He plays the plague or Mr. The Plague at one point and he skateboards around everywhere and wears sunglasses, and I love him so much. If this movie had been made ten years later, it would have been Segways. Oh man, I would have been fine with that also. But that's the thing, like this movie's so goddamn cheesy, like it's so tropetacular, and that's that's an asset to the movie. Like the fact that when they show people hacking, they're like, well, we don't just want to show people typing. So they have fucking holographic like skyscrapers made of code and stuff that were sailing through, like in virtual reality. You know what it feels like? Uh, it feels what? like a proto Wachowski movie. You know, actually, you're you're not wrong. Like, you would, I think it would have to be weirder to feel like a Wachowski movie, but yeah. Sure. Yeah, but it's, it's uh, which is ironic because they're partly responsible for the whole monochrome um, turn of cyberpunk. But mm, true, true. Yeah, so it's it's got all of that. It's also it's also just fun in ways that are utterly detached from reality. Like, there's nothing in it that you can replicate at home. I. I wish I could. Uh, listeners, I have a confession. That's that's not actually what my job is like. I, ju- I just wish it was. No, if you want to, if you want to live the dream of hacker, you can go to hackertyper.com. But, <laughs> but no, it's it's it it just does not give a fuck about being based in reality and plausible hacking. It'd be cool, and that degree of commitment to a bit, like it's just just all in. Um, it has entirely decided that that if you're going to sus- suspend suspension of disbelief, you're going to suspend it all the fucking way. But, but and here's the I thing. really respect that. Oh, I love totally. that. I think that's a big part of why the movie works, because it feels like a fantasy. It does. But here's the thing. Like, if you actually look at the tech, given how bonkers the movie is, especially visually, like if you just look at all the effects and the visuals and uh, as a metaphor for how like IT and, and hacking actually work, like. It's surprisingly accurate in a number of ways, which is weird. 
I mean, even if they turn, you know, things like describing risk processing into flirtation between crash override and chemical burn when they say risk is good, like, the movie kind of did its homework, and then it took that homework and it's like, all right, let's just give, let's just make this homework 1,000% more colorful and put it on drugs. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my favorite part. Oh God, I have so many favorite parts. One of my favorite parts of hackers. Do you remember the part where like the the good guy hackers and the bad guy security people are um trying to like play certain videos on a network? Like the hackers want to take over a network, and they have the um the little robot arms that they're having a sort of duel with to get the right tapes. That's not the good guys in the those crash override and acid burn at the very beginning of the movie oh was it the two of them oh i see why they ended up together then they're they're good robot arm duelists but um yeah like that's that's how our backup tape drives work at work but with they don't have as good of a soundtrack at work can we talk about this movie's soundtrack oh yes yes we can oh it is the best fucking 90s technotacular glorious glory it's got like like the orbital it's got so many amazing artists like it's sort of like the first mortal Kombat movie or spawn where the soundtrack is arguably better than the movie it's in although hackers is a much better movie than those two movies i was gonna say but i'm just saying the soundtrack's real fucking good the soundtrack its own right Oh, yeah. Like, um, was it a Portishead song, I think, that they played during the first sex scene with Crash Override and Acid Burn? I think, I think. it was. Um, okay, I'll I'll just be open about this and admit. Um, so, you know how, like, for a lot of, uh, of, of straight women our age, um, David Bowie and Labyrinth was kind of a sexual awakening deal? Uh, so I'm told. Um, for me, Angelina Jolie in this movie, like, I was at the right age where this was very formative. Like, that scene in X-Men where Rogue is wearing that skimpy outfit on the highway with Iceman, and Angelina Jolie in that sex scene in this movie, like, some some gears clicked over in young Miles' brain. Okay, because you definitely had sex by the time X-Men came out. Uh, well, no, no, those issues were in, like, uh... Oh, the comic. The comic, yeah. Like, no, you know, Rogue drawn by... I was gonna yeah. say, what the hell, man? No, no, I think by the time the movies came out, uh, Anna Paquin was... I'm pretty sure she was significantly younger than us. I, I don't know. But regardless, yes. Uh, no, Rogue in the comic. Not. Oh, well, who can even... I'm gonna what, look what this is up. time? Fair. Listeners, we know this is why you come to Hawk Talk, for us looking shit up as we record. So enjoy that whole thing, I guess. Uh, she is very slightly older. She's very slightly older than me and very slightly younger than you. Oh, wow. That's a really specific age because we're July close in 1982. Well, there we go. Uh, anyway, point being, um, and you know, honestly, I think that was part of why this movie has such a special place in my heart and I, I guess other places. Like when you are around 13 years old and you discover something cool, it's not just cool, but it is the coolest thing that has ever existed. Okay, see, for me... Again, I saw this movie older. So for me, what this movie was in terms of like click on light bulb moments was all about aesthetic. The aesthetic is phenomenal, yes. Yeah, it really is. And again, a queer cyberpunk aesthetic that I mm -hmm. hadn't really encountered before and that just in my brain that was just like, yes, this is it. This is the thing. Well, I think it was also cool because, you know, you're used to seeing cyberpunk as generally speaking set in the in some version of the future, whether it's the near future or the far future. And Hackers wasn't. Hackers was like 
the sort of stuff that you just assumed that, you know, your your best friend's uncle was was doing that you heard about in all the stories from your best friend. Right. This felt like this. Well, seeing it again, again, seeing it later as an adult felt like a fantasy alternate past, like a subculture that could have existed that I wish had existed in 1995. Oh, yeah, yeah. If the 90s had been more like hackers, I, I think we would have all been in a better place. Unquestionably. Yeah. So, okay. So we, we've talked about, you know, the general aesthetic, certainly. We've, you've, you've gotten more information about my uh, early adolescent sexual awakening than anybody probably ever wanted. Um, you know, the soundtrack, a bit about the plot. Let's talk a little about the, the characters. Like, we, you know, because we have our, our central cast and then we have some fun side characters. They're all beautiful, and I love them all. They are all beautiful. Okay, so uh, I forget the the guy's name. Serial Killer? Who did you say the actor's name was? Serial Killer is, I think, Matthew Lillard. Matthew Lillard. I think you're right. I love Matthew Lillard in almost everything. He is so good at, like, overacting in a way that is completely believable. Yeah, he is. And in this, his his sort of... his, His jumpy kind of manic, neurotic performance fits the character really well and that character fits the ensemble really well like something that can happen with matthew lillard is they're they're, like matthew lillard characters can be so much matthew lillard characters that they kind of break the the structure and the fiction around them Mm -hmm. and in hackers one of one of the things that's that's great is that serial just fits perfectly into that well, and I think the, the ensemble, uh, you really keyed in on it with that word because, you know, Crash Override is the newest member of this group. Like, he's our entry point into the world. And so this group is already established, this group of friends, and you you see those dynamics already at play. You can tell these people have been hanging out together for a long time and, you know, hacking together for a long time. And that makes the world feel a lot more lived in. Like, the fact that Serial Killer has just been alternating crashing on every other character's couch, it sounds like for kind of a long time. And, you know, they all are un- endearingly annoyed by him in, in their own different ways. Yeah, this felt like the corners of punk culture that I was part of. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I can totally see that. And so, yeah, you know, you have, like, Lord Nikon as, you know, he's not that much older than everybody, but he's clearly, like, the chill, almost mentor figure. Uh, you have Joey, who just, like, really, really wants to join up and does stupid shit in the meantime. You have Acidburn, who's sort of, like, the wild card, who's very capable, but unpredictable sometimes. Joey's kind of the jubilee of the gang. Oh, he totally is. You know, I think... <sighs> I think a different version of Hackers would have had Joey, like, the character just getting into hacking, as our main character. Yeah, and I dig that this takes a different route. I do, too, yeah. Like, as much as the main character, Johnny Lee Miller, like, he can be a real dick, but, you know, I think, like, with a lot of successful stories, you have a main character that starts as a jerk, and that gives them room for some real character growth. So... I mentioned Sneakers earlier, but how would you feel that Hackers compares to, you know, the other big cyberpunk sort of hacker classics? Okay, I will freely admit, I am not terribly familiar with with many of them, so I don't know that I'm going to have a, a good answer to that. I mean, uh, God, there was like, there was... <sighs> the net wasn't really a, a cyber hacker classic by any means. <laughs> I mean, I You've saw it. You've got mail. <laughs> oh, God. You've got mail starring Crash Override and Acid Burn. Oh, I would it would have been that. so much better if it had been about hackers. It's a that was a, charming a, movie. A Nora Ephron movie. Now I want to see Nora Ephron oh, do uh, do like Nora a version Ephron's of hackers. hackers. Okay, so 
I, I've actually gotten, I'm still very much a novice, but I've started to get a little bit into rom-coms. Like the avclub.com has this, the, this column called when uh, romance met comedy, where they just, this one writer, uh, Carolyn, she, I believe, uh, goes through all these different rom-coms and like a lot of them are by Nora Ephron. And, and I'm realizing that that's a genre that you could take in so many different directions. And I really want to see like a hackers-esque romantic comedy. I mean, there's romance and there's comedy and hackers, but like, no, like a romantic comedy. A rom-com is a weirdly broad genre too. Like Outrageous Fortune is technically a rom-com. Yeah, yeah, true. I suppose that's true. Which is such a weird classification for it. I mean, it. it, it I guess it depends on who you have the romances being between. But <laughs> still... Yeah, no, I sneakers is my main comparison point, and 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 I guess they, they they're very different genres. Like sneakers is just straight up a heist movie. Uh, yeah, and it's fucking great. If anybody hasn't seen sneakers, I mean, it's from the past, so I'm sure there's probably something racist or sexist or homophobic in there, but it's it's great. They also fucking straight up reused sets from it in the Punisher miniseries or the Punisher um Netflix series. Are you kidding me? Really? No. Have you seen it? Uh, I have not seen the Punisher series. No. Okay, um, then I'm not going to tell you what it... Well, no, I, I guess I can because it's not exactly a secret. Uh, Micro's hideout is the is the set from Sneakers. Like, I saw Aww. it and I was like, is that... No, no fucking way. And I went and looked up pictures and yeah, it absolutely is. Oh, that's phenomenal. I Micro love lives that. in the set from Sneakers. <laughs> <laughs> Man. I, uh... God, I mean, I guess... Tron is kind of a hacking movie, but it's just it just goes so far into fantasy that it's really its own thing. Hackers feels like it's more of a mindset with movies like Real Genius. I I can see that. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's more a teenage hijinks movie with hacking kind of as its premise, and with with other genre aspects. But I don't know because so much of it is about hacker is about the culture and you sort of the the, the, the fictionalized version of hacker culture. Well, and I mean, certainly you do have, like, smarts versus establishment, which I, in, in that regard is very much real genius. Uh, but yeah, it's just that nice. idea that... Man, remember when things were all, like, smarts versus establishment and the bad guys were always corporations? Yeah, yeah, I do. I um, I think I was reading about, because, you know, uh, what's his face? James Cameron, you know, did the Dances with Smurfs, the, the Avatar movie, and mm -hmm. soon it's, like, billion sequels. I remember oh, hearing so him... Weird. Yeah, it is weird. But I remember hearing him uh, in an interview talk about how um, he really, really was trying to help people understand how corporations were destructive to every aspect of society and uh, that he uh, was very disappointed that he was unable to transform society with, with his movie. Um, I guess he made a lot of money. That helps. Maybe he could donate it to good causes. I don't know. I just I just miss there – was, there was this whole thing in like the late 80s through, through the 90s and you see, you actually see it in that Generation X pilot too, where corporate greed is pretty much always the the big villain. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, oh man, yeah. Speaking of, I'm just gonna reference a bunch of crap I found on the internet. Apparently, I, I'm. It's been a long, long couple of weeks. Uh, but someone was mentioning how um, NFTs are basically like Captain Planet villains, where they just make a machine that makes pollution and it gives them money. Yes. <laughs> So, yes, that's that's pretty much exactly what they are. Unfortunate. Uh, but yes, and honestly, like that. So I feel like a good hacker story has to be countercultural and hackers yeah. very much is. And if you're going to be countercultural going up against, you know, the corporate world, it, I, that absolutely makes sense. Yeah. And also how easy it is for the corporate world to basically 
rope in law enforcement and the government into their side. Oh, yeah. No, the cops are totally working with the bad guys and hackers, as is The Plague, played by Fisher Stevens, and Penn character, who probably also had a name. Well, they are the bad guys. Are they the baddies? Yeah. Oh, they're they're so much fun, though. Like, Fisher Stevens is the one of the kind of villains I love, who is like, okay, yeah, I'm a villain, and it's awesome. Yes, most definitely. Like, he's got a little, okay, weird comparison, but in a way, he has a bit of Mr. Sinister to, to him, because he's just so delighted to be the dramatic bad guy. Yeah, he's he's he has sold out, and he is enjoying it. Yeah. Oh, he's 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 so great. Just that there was a, scene. There was a Christopher Walken in Wayne's World too. Yes. No. But my favorite. Okay. I'm gonna ask what your favorite plague scene is, but I suspect it's the same as mine. I'm gonna tell you mine. My favorite the plague scene is when he. I think he threatens the main character's mom or something, and so the main character has to give him this three and a half inch floppy disk uh, that has something important on it. I, I don't even remember what. It's been so long. Um. And as this happens, Fisher Stevens, the plague, just is on his skateboard, like, hanging onto the side of an evil bad guy corporate limousine, and just grabs it and keeps on skating, and it's perfect. It's just perfect. Yeah, pretty much any scene where he tries to be cool is is just really spot on. Oh, oh, it's so great. Yeah, man. So, okay... You know, I saw it, um, I think it was at a friend's birthday party, the, like, around when it came out. I guess it would have been on VHS by that point. Um, you mentioned college. Did we did we see that together the first time you saw it? I'm trying to yeah. remember. Yeah. Okay, awesome. Well, I'm, I'm very glad. Aw, <laughs> uh, fucking, fucking hackers. I was thinking, so I just saw um, the Street Fighter movie again. And every time Raul Julia... The live-action one. Oh, the live-action one. Every time Raul Julia is on screen, the movie doubles in quality. And that happens... It doesn't happen in Hackers, because the movie is already phenomenal, but every time the plague shows up on screen, it's like 110% of normal quality. I was going to say, because Raul Julia's not in it. No, but what if he was? I don't even know who he would play. I just want him to be in every movie. Would be so good. He would be like the granddaddy hacker. I don't know. Somehow, somehow, like like Razor and Blade's mysterious mentor. Razor and Blade's mysterious mentor, M. Bison. No, no. Are you kidding? Yeah, M. Bison's Razor... about as corporate as you get. Mysterious mentor. Um. God, I'm blanking on his name. I feel so bad. Aram Fingal, perhaps. Oh, no, Gomez Adams, Adams is probably better. Yes, Gomez, Gomez Adams. God. Wow. <laughs> I'm also Man. very tired. <laughs> You know, I, I'm not sure how April, how uh, du Duo Des April 2020 has gone for everyone, the 16th month of 2020, but it has been a mother to us, God. It's been a long, long year, this April. It, it very much has, but we're getting off topic. The point is, hackers. Hackers. <laughs> hackers. Um. Okay, so actually something I'm curious about, because... This is something where I think you have a much better frame of reference than me. You've talked about the queer aesthetic uh, yeah. of hackers. Can we talk a little bit more about that? Because I, I feel like I don't have a great a lot of perspective on it, and I'm fascinated by this. First of all, everything anyone wears, the extent to which gender fuck and shopping, and generally the gender neutrality of clothing and clothing trends, is a basis in here. Is I can't overstate, but. It's from a different angle than you've seen in more recent stuff because, like, again, 
as gender neutral as an aesthetic right now is very, very much thin female assigned what's traditionally menswear and all pretty monochromatic. This is like everyone buys their shirts from Delia's. I don't know how many people remember that catalog, but um, someone brought it up on Facebook yesterday and, and it was a weird and flashbacky experience. Anyway, the point, my point here is that instead of having, having sort of generally, generically, nominally ungendered clothing, everyone's just wearing a shit ton of hypergender clothing. They're just all wearing all of it. That's true, yeah. Like, there's no... Uh, there, there's nothing undifferentiated. It's like, no, I'm gonna go to 11 on every possible scale I can find. Everything's bright. Everything's patterned. Everything is glaring. Everything is... is like, fish signals of... of fuck me or fight me. <laughs> and... Hackers, colon, subtitle, fuck me or fight me. Or both. I mean, the major, the main romance in that is pretty much... But it's, and I mean, and even like Angelina Jolie's character is super queer coded, super, 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 super fucking queer coded. And the gender dynamics such that they exist in that exist entirely in like offhand lines and bits of the setup. There, there's no, her role isn't the girl in the ways that that role existed in 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 other films contemporary to hackers and also yeah, that's a that really, very true but no that's a really good point that's something i super value like i would love to see more prominent female characters in that movie i think that is something that the movie would be improved if there were other major good or bad characters other than her but like the way it handles gender is really surprisingly progressive for the 90s well and the the central the mentor figure kind of so cool they're almost above everything and their involvement is what it's in everyone coming together characters are a gay couple like and i you can rationalize around razor and blade being a couple if you work guess but no they're no they're a couple they're a couple. straight up, they're, yeah. in fact they're a gay couple and you see them wearing like makeup and complicated, like at least complicated gender fucky clothing when they appear. Um, they're amazing. I love them. They, I, I want action figures of them. I want to be them. Um, <laughs> but that they are the centers from whom this culture emanates, at least on a local basis, in and of itself, really important to that. That's a really good point. Yeah. Like, that's just sort of accepted that, no, these two people are the center of our radical Dayglo rave community, which involves hacking all the time. Indeed. All right. I think, I think, I feel like we've, we've kind of gone through everything we've got the stand. Fuck is short and sweet. We will be back next week with a proper episode of Jay and Miles Explain the X-Men, edited and everything. You can find us at explainthexmen.com, on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Podcasts, Spotify, all of those guys. Um, and on the social medias and some other places. And thank you for listening to Hawk Talk, where we talk hawks. Until next time, hack the planet. The planet. <laughs>